Hello, this is Cherry Hendricks and Adrian Hendricks with Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and human life than to reject his eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Many who believe they are Christians have decided to leave the time-honored blessing of salvation in Jesus and the safe and holy leading of God's Holy Spirit to be more progressive. Today, many societies push the limits regarding sexuality and reproduction, especially for children, beyond the safe boundaries set forth by God. Those trying to suggest that children be taught abstinence until marriage and we are talking here about young men marrying young women, are usually laughed to scorn. The main reason given is, they will not do that, but that answer is always given in the vacuum of never having been tried. Why is this so? We believe the answer lies in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then the lust, when it has conceived, bears sin, and the sin, when it is full grown, produces death. Some excuse abortion, which fits every act described in Revelation 21.8 by saying, This is my body and my choice. Here's one problem with that statement. Enticements to engage in sexual activity for young people are constantly presented. Sadly, there are few adults who warn them about the consequences of repeated sexual activity. They need to know this is God's design to bring people into the earth, and it is why he makes sexual relations between a man and woman married to each other something sacred and to be protected. Pressure from peers and societies in general make it extremely difficult for the young to refrain from becoming sexually active, especially with the absence of any reason not to from their parents, their schools, or even from the churches they attend. Once they engage, the difficulty is magnified. Not only have desires and appetites they were not supposed to experience until marriage been awakened, but they are further provoked by the entrance of demonic entities that can only be removed by the power of God. Jesus warned people about their treatment of little ones at Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Whoever will cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if he were thrown into the sea with the millstone hung around his neck. The word translated as stumble here is from the Greek skandalizo, which means to put a stumbling block or impediment in the way upon which another may trip and fall, metaphorically to offend, to entice, to sin, to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, to cause to fall away and to be offended in one, to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. Jesus was talking about causing children to leave him because of the entrapment into sin. This is something people do not seem to be aware of anymore, and it can be just as deadly for those who do not lead children into righteous living. The statement, my body, my choice, is one that serves the flesh well, but has no place for those who have decided to follow Jesus for their life decisions. Young people need to have the concept of consequences explained in a way that they can understand and use to make practical applications. Unfortunately, there are adults who will provide them with all kinds of excuses to do things with their bodies that will not end well. You see, parents, teachers of all kinds, and adults with any influence must make it their business to let the youth know that one vital characteristic of Christian living is purity of mind, body, and soul. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, explains that our physical bodies are not our own, and why. Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or don't you know that he who is joined to a prostitute is one body? For the two, he says, will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Dear listeners, the sin of abortion and every other sin are at the core heart issues. Heart disease is described many times in the Bible, but largely ignored. The Word of God is full of observations and truths about the human heart. Two key passages are found in the book of Proverbs. Chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in Yahweh with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. In Proverbs 4, verse 23 reads, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the wellspring of life. One definition of disease offered by Webster's 1828 Dictionary is a disorder state of the mind or intellect by which the reason is impaired. Jesus explained at Matthew 15 verses 18 through 20, But the things which proceed out of the mouth come out of the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual sins, theft, false testimony, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile the man. It is easy to see that the heart of man without the saving influence of Jesus Christ is diseased with sin. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the heart as the seat of the will, hence secret purposes, intentions, or designs. Thayer's Greek Dictionary says, The heart denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life, the vigor and sense of physical life, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors, of understanding the faculty and seat of the intelligence, of the will and character. The Lord knows the heart of each one of us, and his desire for us, as it was for the Israelites, is expressed through Paul at Romans 10, verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for Israel, that they may be saved. God cared enough for us to give us his word, so we will know what he wants for us and what he has done for us through the sacrifice of his only son, Jesus but he also lets us know what he wants us to do for him. And it has to do with our hearts. The greatest charge we have is given by Jesus at Mark 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. We could give you a myriad of reasons why abortion should neither be promoted nor allowed. For those who want to claim medical reasons for abortion, we have observed that a great number of obstetricians now say there is absolutely no medical reason to abort a baby. 
As difficult as it may be to believe, there are laws that permit people to end the lives of babies who manage to survive abortions. But this still isn't called what it truly is, murder. Many want to point out economic distress brought on by a surprise or inconvenient pregnancy. Actually, a lack of people brought on by hundreds of millions of abortions worldwide has resulted in an economic downturn caused by the absence of babies who would have grown up to be contributing members of societies and had their own children and grandchildren who would have done the same. These are arguments we hear frequently, but here is the truth. Abortion is the deliberate murder of a living human baby, and many people around the world have been tricked into believing this is not so. A careful reading of the Word of God reveals his thinking about human life and how important it is to him. However, a diseased and dying heart will not see this without the piercing power of his light of life, Jesus, the Anointed One. It could be observed that the heart controls what the Bible calls the flesh. A stunning observation is given by the Apostle Paul at Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, regarding the power contest between the flesh, which follows the desires of a dead heart, and the Spirit of God, which transforms the heart and brings in the will and ways of God. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, that you may not do the things that you desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Note that Paul is given a command here as he instructs believers in Galatia to utilize the strength of the indwelling spirit to do the will of God with and in their bodies. This is not possible for those who have not received a new life given by God through Jesus. He continues at verse 19 with some pointed examples. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, even as I also forewarn you, that those who practice such things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. If we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. God has made a way to deliver all of mankind from the inability to resist sin, the deadliest form of heart disease. God commanded that we do no murder. God's word says that murder, indeed all sin, begins in the heart. Do not take our word for it. Read his word. God has not changed his mind on this issue. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 2 reveals that all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and intents of the heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 states, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here is something for you to think about. The number of abortions performed between 2015 to 2019 at 73.3 million each year add up to over 366.5 million children and their descendants who were removed from the earth forever. 
This is a far greater number than all other forms of death combined during that same period. Without the healing of hearts by Jesus, people will remain at risk of eternal separation from God, their Creator. We are bringing this message according to Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12, which directs the readers and hearers to rescue those who are being led away to death. Indeed, hold back those who are staggering to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we didn't know this, doesn't he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, doesn't he know it? Shall he not render to every man according to his work? Those of us who call ourselves Christians can no longer say we didn't know, because now we do. No one will get a pass here if we continue our complicity in murder of the unborn through our silence in the face of abortion evil, in counseling people to abort, in advocating for those who perform abortions, and encouraging others to support people and policies that are pro-abortion. This complicity means that many pastors, ministers, priests, teachers, Parents, civic leaders, judges, and leaders of societies will not spend eternity with the Heavenly Father unless they confess and repent by changing their minds about what they promote among those who follow them. Their repentance must be authentic and they must totally turn away from sin, as was the case with David. Failure to confess and repent will cause the guilty to bypass the forgiveness and salvation available only through the shed blood of Jesus. They, like many others who think they are saved from the wrath of God, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus says at Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life, and few are those who find it. We urge you to let the Lord be your guide in all things. Jesus came to give life, not to promote death. He plainly said at John chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Those who promote death are plainly speaking for Satan. Paul's admonition appears at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship have righteousness and iniquity? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What agreement has Christ with Belial? Or what portion has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are a temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive you. I will be to you a father. You will be to me sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Eventually, we may be required to observe the separation spoken of in verse 17 and many of our associations that include where we choose to worship as well. We are called at 1 Peter 1 verses 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be sober and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As children of obedience, not conforming yourselves according to your former lusts as in your ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, you yourselves also be holy in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 
If your congregation embraces and supports practices the Lord says are sinful, then perhaps you need to ask the Lord if you should remain there, and if so, what part or role you ought to play. The Lord, through Moses, encourages us with these words at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 16 through 19. For I command you today to love Yahweh your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances, that you may live and multiply, and that Yahweh your God may bless you in the land where you go in to possess it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce to you today that you will surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you pass over the Jordan to go in to possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, choose life that you may live, you and your descendants. If you are or have been complicit in the murderous practice of abortion, repent. David's prayer of repentance at Psalm 51 verses 1 through 4 says, Have mercy on me, God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is constantly before me. Against you and you only I have sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, that you may be proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. David's declaration in verse 4 that his sin was against God and him only seems to point to a problem that runs through every human heart. That problem is our greatest need for healing of heart disease is the healing of our hearts toward God. Ultimately, all sin is a form of rebellion of heart against him, but he knows that. And Jesus is his sure, tried and true, time-tested remedy who never fails. The forgiveness of the Lord God is available for all who will change their minds about murdering babies and turn away from this forever. The Lord forgave David and restored his relationship at 1 Kings chapter 15 verses 4 and 5. Nevertheless, for David's sake, Yahweh his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem, because David did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes and didn't turn away from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. David, ever aware of God's merciful grace toward him, gave this guidance to his son Solomon at 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. You, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For Yahweh searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Ask the Lord to purify your heart. At Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus revealed the blessing of a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Several other verses discussing purity of heart are Proverbs chapter 22 verse 11, Psalm 51 verses 6 and 10, Psalm 73 verse 1, Titus chapter 1 verse 15, and 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Anyone who wants can have new pure hearts by trusting Jesus Christ, who is himself the way and the truth and the life. We encourage you to choose life and refuse death by taking a holy, consistent stand for truth and righteousness. With every opportunity you have, choose life and speak up for it. 
Turn away from Satan's platform of death. Recognize that Jesus came for life, your life, and he paid the sin debt for us all. Take hold of his open hand stretched out to you. You can have assurance of the eternal life you were made for with him. We recommend a sure antidote for heart disease in the words of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every hidden thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. We have one more thing to say. Women abort their babies for a wide variety of reasons. Many choose to engage in fornication or adultery with the thought that if a pregnancy results, then abortion will be an easy solution. There are also married women who chose to abort their babies thinking it was the right thing to do, only later to find out that the procedures left them sterile, depressed, and suicidal. Other women are forced to have abortions that hide sexual abuse and molestation. Whatever the reason, many women who have undergone the trauma of abortion could testify about the hellish conditions such a deed created for them, but those who are complicit are hard at work to keep them silent and hidden. We have a message for any women listening now who may have had an abortion and have repented. God has forgiven you. Your babies have forgiven you, and they are waiting for you in heaven. Turn to the living God with your whole heart to save you from the sin in your life that led you to the abortion and to heal you from its aftermath. If you have had a miscarriage or lost a baby, God is well aware of your pain and desires to comfort you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction through the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound to us, even so our comfort also abounds through Christ. Name your babies and use the awareness that they are waiting on you to change your mind about how you live here now so you can join them and Jesus at the end of all things. Remember that you are greatly loved by your baby and by the good Heavenly Father who made you both. This is a poem by O. Lee Smith entitled, For Goodness Sake. Some say it's only matter, so I don't count for much. If I was a little older, I'd give them a swift punch. I really am quite human and have much ground to gain. I really want to love and be loved. I don't want to cause you pain. But now if you would ponder of what I really could be, I'm just the same as you once were when you were as small as me. I'll grow very fast if I'm allowed. For a while, I'll be quiet and still. But oh, the joy that is waiting when someone's heart with love I feel. Soon I will begin to move around. Tiny waves of life you will feel. Listen close, you might hear me giggle in the quiet, you will know I am real. Please think twice, or maybe three times, about this decision you will make. For you it seems a simple task, but my whole life is at stake. So this is all I have to say, my life's decision I can't make. Please, I ask, I cry, I scream, save me, for goodness sake. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you for life and for the reminder you graciously provided in your word that Jesus became a man to redeem us all. It is because he dared to become human that humanity in all its forms has a special place in your creation and in your heart. 
This testimony seems unusual because probably two lives were saved that day, and the smell of death that the enemy carries gave him away. Surely there are many others who use the senses you've given them. They hear your voice, they feel your presence, they taste the wickedness in the air, and they let you move their feet to walk out of those death traps. We thank and praise you because you always know what is needed and you make provisions to save lives just as you did on that day. Dear Father, we ask you to bring the words of Psalm 80 to the past in our days. God presides over heaven's court. He pronounces judgment on the judges. How long will you judges hand down unjust decisions? How long will you shower special favors on the wicked? Give fair judgment to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. But these oppressors know nothing. They are so ignorant. And because they are in darkness, the whole world is shaken to the core. I say, you are gods and children of the Most High. But in death, you are mere men. You will fall as any prince, for all must die. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. Many have resisted your encouragement to preserve the purity of their bodies and became pregnant. They continue to resist your attempts to have them save the lives created as a consequence of ignoring you, but they didn't listen. Now they are stuck in the regret, remorse, and self-pity that result from abortion. We ask you to show them that if they repent, that is, change their minds about what they have done, you have forgiveness and help for them. Ultimately, Lord, we know that you intended for them to be with you all along. Let everyone who is tired of their own way in this life cry out to you. Please let them know that you hear them. Even if they cannot bring themselves to repent, Lord, let them ask you to grant them repentance and bring them the salvation your son Jesus died to give them. This is your heart as our good Father. Let everyone who hears this message realize the great love you have for them so they may respond to that love. We thank you, Father God, in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus, for hearing us and accomplishing your will with this message. Amen. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for his calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that he really loves you and he has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife@ saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life life is good. God God gives life. God is good.